Alrighty. Um, so uh, it's good to be back. I was gone last week because I was speaking at another church retreat. Um, it was a church in our same denomination. Uh, and um, that retreat was all the way out in Palm Springs. So last weekend was like pretty busy for me because on Friday morning um, last week, uh, my great uncle, uh, it was my great uncle's funeral. He passed away a few weeks ago. And so they had the funeral on Friday morning. And he lived down in Marietta, which is next to Temecula. It's more south and it's more inland. So on Friday morning, I drove all the way down to like that area, Temecula area. Um, and I was in the suit, you know, the black suit. And as soon as I got out of the car, it was like, really hot, right? Like I felt the heat and I was in the black suit, right? And I felt it, right? So I tried to hurry into the church building where the funeral was held as soon as I could. And um, it was a really nice funeral. Um, I got to see a lot of my cousins that I haven't seen in like many, many years. Last time I saw many of them, they were like little kids, but you know, now they're like taller than me. Uh, so it was nice. It was like really nice to see and uh, catch up with my family. And um, I wasn't able to go to the burial because that was all the way up in this area. Uh, so, and I had to go to Palm Springs, right? So um, I got in my car and then I drove from Temecula to Palm Springs on like Friday afternoon. Right. And, you know, I'm in the car. I have the AC blasting the whole time. Right. I took off my jacket and I'm just driving. And as soon as I park in Palm Springs, right at the hotel where the retreat was at, I get out of the car and this immense heat just like hits me. OK, I don't know if last time you guys went to Palm Springs, but I totally forgot how hot it is. It was 110 degrees. Right. And like. Immediately when I turned the engine off and like the AC stopped, I felt it right, like even just in my car. And then when I got out of the car, I was like, oh, my gosh, it like hit me. And I immediately thought like because Palm Springs is getting like busier and busier, it's getting more crowded and people are starting to move in. And uh, I thought to myself, how the heck does anyone live here? It's incredible, right? I'm like, how the and so uh, I got my stuff and then um, I go to my room right away, blast the AC and I'm just like lying there in the bed, just like <laughs> trying to <laughs> cool down, right? I could feel the steam coming off the top of my head, right? And so, um, you know, that was like Friday and then uh, fortunately everything was just like within the hotel. So I didn't have to go out that much, right? And I, you know, uh, the first night was good. And then the second day, uh, Saturday morning, I, got to, uh, we had our uh, Friday night worship, and then we had our Saturday morning worship gathering, and uh, I gave my message there, and then in the afternoon, I had a break, right, so I was thinking, like, oh, I should do something, then, you know, my gym um, that I go to, there was actually one that was nearby, so I was like, oh, I think I'll try to hit the gym, right, I was thinking, like, oh, but I don't want to go outside, so I have to plan for the heat, right, being in the desert, right, I have to plan for the heat, and so I was like, okay, I'll just try to just go to my car real quick, like drive to the gym, get out of the car real quick and just go straight to the, I'm like planning these things out because it's like so freaking hot. <laughs> right? And um, I was, you know, and then um, I, I visited like a local mall and that was like mostly indoors, right? And so the end of that, all this to say, right? By the end of the trip on Saturday after or Sunday afternoon, when I was driving back, I was thinking like, oh, Palm Springs is actually not that bad. I could actually like, and I was thinking like, 
I can actually see myself living here, which is like a totally <laughs> different kind of mentality that I had when I first got there on Friday. When I was thinking like, how could anyone live here? It's so hot. And the reason why I was uh, able to like envision it was because I realized I could uh, arrange to stay indoors as long as possible, right? And minimize my time that I'm outside, like just walking to my car, right? And uh, go to like these spots that I might be familiar with, that I would know some regular spots and just, you know, be and then I was like, I think if I were to be here for like a couple months, I would become very familiar with it and get used to the heat and just like avoid the heat as much as possible. And I realized like people don't really go out in the daytime. They only go out at night after the sun sets, you know, like outdoors, I mean. And I was like, oh, this is kind of doable. And I realized like it, when we're in like deserts like that, right? And it, you know, it kind of looks like this. Um, when we're in deserts like that, you have to do whatever you can to survive in those kinds of situations, right? And I was thinking about this a lot because uh, personally for me, um, I've been kind of in uh, a dry season, right? A, a desert season. I've been um, feeling spiritually dry for a few months now. And a, a lot of it is due to the fact that like my life is kind of uh, feels unstable. There's a lot of changes in my life, uh, personal and even some professional changes. And uh, the things that I used to love doing, the spiritual practices that I used to love doing that were so easy for me, I have been finding it's more and more difficult to do, to be completely honest with you. You know, times of solitude. I used to love times of solitude and just going on walks by myself. Uh, that's been hard to do because being alone in my thoughts is kind of hard. Uh, journaling, I used to love journaling, but just writing, I don't know, for some reason, it's like become physically difficult. Even praying, I used to pray all the time, just like throughout the day, like in my head. And now I have to be very, very intentional about it. And um, even singing, you know, uh, I used to sing all the time, like in my car, like really loud. I used to play um, like church music, like in the car or just like regular music and like in the car. And I used to sing all the time. And it was some sort of like a um, release, but also like a way to spiritually connect with God throughout the day. Even that's been difficult to do. And the only times I find myself doing it now are Sunday mornings. Um, and, and I'm realizing that like, it, maybe if I like just change my mentality, like shift my focus, and first of all, admit that I'm in a spiritually dry season, uh, how can I survive? And maybe not only just survive, um, how can I thrive? And even in these like spiritually dry seasons. And I came across this passage. Um, God reminded me to read this story again that's found in John chapter five. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible app, please uh, follow along with me. Or you could just look right here. The font is really small for people watching online or the recorded. Uh, so uh, I'll read it for us today. John chapter five, verses one through nine. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. 
Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. And some Bibles don't have verse four in it, um, but I'll just read it for us from here. From time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. The first one into the pool after each such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease they had. Then verse five, uh, one was there, uh, uh, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. Let's pray. Lord, what are you doing within us, within each of us? In the very similar way that you have stirred up the pool in Bethesda, you are stirring something up in our spirits and inviting us to enter in, to be healed. Lord, would you open our eyes to see the areas of our faith, our spirituality that we have ignored for a long time? Would you cause us to see and recognize the parts of our lives that need to be healed? And help us to be involved in the process, Lord, not just to be bystanders and not just to be um, consumers or spectators, but actually like participate in what you are doing in our own lives, but in what you want to do through us, around us. We proud this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. So um, this is one of my favorite stories. Um, I haven't read this story in a long time in the gospel according to John. Uh, so here's the scene, okay? Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem for this uh, Jewish festival. And he comes across this pool uh, called Bethesda. This pool supposedly had magical, spiritual, supernatural powers, okay? And the reason why some Bibles don't have verse 4 in it is because uh, Bible scholars suspect that it was added in later, uh, not by Apostle John, uh, but by a later uh, writer to describe what, why this pool was significant, okay? This kind of uh, myth or legend that every once in a while, an angel of the Lord would come down to this pool of Bethesda and like stir it up. And the first one to get into this pool would be healed of whatever ailments, diseases, or illnesses that they might have, okay? Now, uh, just place yourself in Jesus's position, all right? The Jews in the first century, they know about this legend, okay, this myth, this um, urban legend, and there is a great number of people there, okay, hundreds of disabled or uh, sick people, 
if not maybe thousands, right? It's like this sea of people surrounding this one little pool. And you can hear the cries of the sick all around you, right? And, and in the distance, you notice this one man. For whatever reason, you look upon this like sea of people and you see this one man, this one man who's been an invalid for 38 years. We don't know his name, okay? The reason why we don't know his name is because John didn't know his name. Apostle John, the author of this uh, book, uh, didn't know his name. So he just called him what probably everyone else in society called him, an invalid, someone who's unclean, an outcast. For whatever reason, Jesus like sees this like sea of people and like, uh, like focuses on this one man, right? And walks past all these disabled and sick people and goes to this one man. And he sees him, okay? He's like looking at him. And he's sympathetic towards him. Jesus knew he was sick for a long time, right? And Jesus's heart was broken for him. And yet, the first question that Jesus asked this man is, do you want to get well? <laughs> do you want to get well? And how does this man respond? In verse 7, he says, sir, I have, been, uh, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes ahead of me. Now, this sick man has been all alone for 38 years. He was deemed an invalid by society. Uh, an invalid uh, literally means he doesn't matter. And in the first century, um, people with disabilities, people with uh, like chronic illnesses, uh, they were social outcasts. A lot of times they couldn't show themselves, especially if you're Jewish, because they would consider you to be unclean, right? And so they didn't want to touch sick people, be near sick people, uh, kind of maybe like someone with COVID, <laughs> but like on steroids, okay? Um, and sometimes they would even get banished, uh, like uh, excommunicated from their own family. Their own immediate family would kick them out of the home. Right? So to be a chronic, to have some sort of chronic disease, to be uh, disabled um, was almost like a death sentence. Right? So he was desperate to, um, to, to be healed. And all this sick man ever wanted was for someone to have compassion towards him, for someone to help him. Right? That's how this man responds when Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? He says, I have been, I have been in this condition for so long, and no one is here to help me into the pool. And when I first saw this, when I first read this story and then noticed the first question that Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? It seems kind of insensitive, doesn't it? Like he sees all these sick people, then he knows why they're there, okay? He knows this legend of uh, this pool, Bethesda, right? And he sees this man, he's clearly disabled. And he asks him this really um, almost uh, cruel question, do you want to get well? It's because this man was sick for so long, he forgot what it was like to be healthy. And he became comfortable with his illness. 
And this is the first lesson that we can learn about healing. Healing requires self-awareness. Healing requires self-awareness. Sometimes when we've been sick or living with a certain condition for so long, we get used to it, right? We live with it for so long that we get accustomed to our illnesses. I don't know how many times I've met patients who have lived with chronic illnesses and they just lived with it for so long. And there's people who have had like uh, broken like vertebrae in their spine and they waited years, <laughs> like years before like uh, they get it healed because they just get used to it. They get used to the pain. They get used to the uh, inconvenience of it. They just get used to being sick, right? Um, even I'm like this, okay? Um, let me give you an example, okay? Uh, so I wear uh, contact lenses, okay? I wear glasses. And, uh, you know, every year we're supposed to, you know, uh, renew our prescription um, or in, uh, and get new glasses or new contact lenses. Uh, but up until maybe like 10 years ago, I used to wear my same old glasses <laughs> for so long. And... Part of it was because uh, I was being lazy, um, but I just got used to it. And you know, when our my vision gets bad, it's so gradual <laughs> that like I don't really notice it right right away. So after like three, four, five years of like not getting a new prescription, I just get used to not seeing the world as clearly. And oftentimes, this is how we are with our illnesses, with our um, chronic conditions. Maybe you have been living with uh, a struggle, some sort of struggle for a long time and you've gotten so used to it. So when, this uh, so when Jesus asked this man this question, it wasn't because Jesus was curious, like, oh, I wonder if he wants to get well, <laughs> okay? He's asking this man for self-reflection. He wants him to be aware like, do I really want to get well? I've been, I've been in this condition for 38 years, and I've gotten kind of used to it, <laughs> right? So this question that Jesus was posing this man is probably the same question he's asking all of us today. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? What is that area of your life that you've been so comfortable with, that you've drawn, been so accustomed to, that you don't even see it as a problem anymore. <laughs> Healing begins with self-awareness. And when Jesus asked him this question, um, do you want to get well, uh, as we reviewed earlier, um, his response was very interesting, right? He says, uh, I have no one to help me. I have no one to help me. So in some ways, he was being very passive about his healing his own healing. Now he's tried, right? He says, whenever I try to get in, uh, someone always beats me to it. But if he, there's a sense that like, he's waiting for someone to help him. And he's been very passive about it. And this is the second thing that the story teaches us about healing is that it, re it requires participation. It requires participation. What's really fascinating about this story is that um, the way that Jesus healed him, right? Now, um, Jesus performed a lot of miracles when he was here on earth, right? 
uh, and he healed people in a variety of ways, right? There's this one time where a, a centurion soldier came to him and asked Jesus to help uh, heal his servant. And Jesus was nowhere near the servant. He was all the way back at the centurion soldier's house. And Jesus healed him kind of like from a distance. <laughs> There's this other time where there was like a crowd around him. And there was this woman who's been hemorrhaging for many, many years. And all she did was like touch his cloak. And then she was healed. But for whatever reason, that's not how Jesus healed this man. He could have been like, abracadabra, <laughs> and heal him, right? He could have been like, bam, boop, you're healed, right? He didn't do that. Instead, he gave him a command. He said, get up, pick up your mat that you've been lying on for over 30 years, and walk. What an incredible thing to say for someone who's been lame, paralyzed for 38 years. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. It's because Jesus wanted him to participate in his own healing. Jesus was inviting him to participate in his own healing. Um, so do I believe in miracles? Yes, I do. Uh, it doesn't happen a lot, but I do believe it happens. Do I believe that Jesus can do ama amazing things? Without a doubt. But by and large, for the vast majority of our lives, Jesus wants us to participate in our own healing. I've seen so many patients in the hospital who regularly come back to the hospital because they're not following the doctor's orders or because they're not doing what the physical therapist told them to do. They're not eating what the dietitian told them to eat. Um, there's this one patient um, that I visited uh, three times on three different like, like occasions, right? Not during the same stay, but on three different occasions. And he keeps coming back for stomach ulcers. And uh, after the third time, um, instead of just talking to him about it, I talked to his nurse about it. I was like, oh, I noticed he keeps coming back for stomach ulcers. And she was like rolling her eyes. And she was like, she looked really annoyed. She's like, yeah, it's because he keeps drinking. He keeps poisoning his stomach. And so he keeps crying about how much he's in pain, but like he did it to himself, right? And she, it sounds, you know, insensitive, but like, I kind of understand where she's coming from, you know? Like by and large, like God invites us to participate in our own healing. Physical therapy is only as effective as the patient makes it. Uh, mental health therapy, okay? I'm a big fan of therapy, okay? But um, it has to be an active process. I can't expect the therapist to heal me, right? Like my therapist is like my sounding board, my mirror, right? And to like reflect back to me, like what I'm going through. Uh, but it's really like, I have to be the one to heal. Right? She's, she can't do the work for me. Right? I have to do it. And likewise, spiritual health is only as strong as each of us make it. And we can't just, like, just passively wait and lie down waiting for God to do all the work. He's telling us to get up and walk, to walk that walk of faith, to participate in the process. And lastly, 
ultimately, we still need Jesus. So healing requires Jesus. What is that area of your life, especially your spiritual life, where you need healing? I need healing. I need healing. Yes, it begins with self-awareness. And yes, it begins. And then it follows up with like my participation in that. Uh, but it also requires Jesus. I need God to heal me. And while, like, if I believe that if Jesus told him, pick up your mat and walk, um, and the man didn't do it, I believe he wouldn't be healed, okay? Like, if he was like, Psh, <laughs> you're crazy, right? You're crazy, Jesus. Well, who, do you, who, do you, who do you think you're talking to? Look at me. <sighs> I can't do that. I truly believe he wouldn't have been healed. But ultimately, it was Jesus that healed him. So even though Jesus invites us to participate in our own healing and to be self-aware and to realize like, oh, I need healing in this area. Oh, I need the healing in this area, right? Ultimately, it is God who's doing the work and he is inviting us in the process. He is inviting us to participate with him in our own healing. So this is the reflection question for us all this week, okay, is how is Jesus inviting you to heal? How is Jesus inviting you to heal? How is Jesus inviting you to get well? Let's pray. Uh, let's just take a minute or two to do some self-reflection right now. How is the Holy Spirit inviting you to look at yourself, to see yourself, and to see the area or areas where you need healing? Lord, I realize like the past couple years have been really detrimental for many people's spiritual lives. I know it's been really challenging for me. And now we're at the point where many people are just kind of used to it. They're used to the lack of spiritual health. They're used to the lack of maybe even mental health. And we've become accustomed to our conditions. Lord, help us to see the areas of our lives that need healing. Help us to participate when your Holy Spirit invites us to heal. And may we constantly turn to you, knowing that you are the source of life and the source of healing, the source of peace that we all need. How are you inviting us today and the rest of this week to get well? And we sit with that question and converse with you throughout this week. 
and welcome you to heal us as we participate in our own healing. We pray all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Have a blessed week. Please take some snacks with you to go. And we'll see you next week.